it is the long game. That's the only way because people aren't projects. You know, we can't just be like, all right, we put our, you know, our hundred people through, we keep using alphabets, you know, which is fine. Our hundred people through chirp and now they're disciples and we did our job and we just scrubbed. Like we need to start seeing people as people again and seeing that the goal is not to just put someone through our program, but to put someone in touch with Christ who alone can satisfy their heart and change their life. You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, episode 40. Whole Parish Renewal with Tim Glemkowski. What happens when one young man decides to pursue the heights of holiness and sets out to bring entire parishes along with him on the journey? Find out in today's episode with Tim Glemkowski, founder of Lalto Catholic Institute. Stay tuned to hear how Tim has helped several parishes be transformed into dynamic communities of missionary disciples. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're joined by Tim Glemkowski. He's worked in various roles in evangelization, including teaching high school theology, youth and young adult ministry at a parish, and as a director of evangelization and catechesis. He's a double major in theology and philosophy at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, He got his master's degree from the Augustan Institute in Denver, Colorado, and he loves to travel the country, giving talks and retreats. His favorite thing to do is to climb and hike mountains with his wife and one-year-old daughter, Eva. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks for having me, guys. Our pleasure, for real. So Tim runs Lalto, and I'm just going to start off asking you what that is and let you tell our listeners uh, all about what you do. Yeah, so uh, Lalto Catholic Institute uh, is an organization that uh, I founded with a couple of friends out in the western suburbs of Chicago is where we live. And we service the three major dioceses in Chicago and Illinois. So the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Diocese of Joliet, and the Diocese of Rockford. And our basic, uh, you know, kind of idea is just that we're trying to create a culture of missionary discipleship here, you know, bring the kingdom of God to bear uh, in our area and make kind of a regional impact in terms of helping parishes, uh, really teaming up with them, not replacing the work of parishes, but in conjunction with parishes, creating that kind of uh, culture of missionary discipleship that so many in the church are uh, calling for as kind of the way forward to renewal. Excellent. And that's Specific to just a couple of dioceses or just to the Archdiocese of Chicago? Uh, just the three. So the Archdiocese, the, the, the greater Chicagoland area has uh, three dioceses in it. And so we're working uh, in all three of those, Rockford, Joliet, and Chicago. Oh, that's great. And how did you, uh, how did you guys get started? Yeah, so the, uh, it's kind of one of those, it's interesting. Um, looking back now, I mean, the, the simple answer is, um, like we felt called to it. I know that's the most like just standard. Uh, uh, I don't know if the, you know that, but really um, it had been something that the Lord had put in my heart for a while. It was kind of a crazy story. Actually, I was a director of evangelization in Denver and had gone to a wedding a couple summers ago with um, all of my best friends from college. You know, one of our, one of our buddies was getting married. And so we were all uh, up chatting one night and I'm from this area, from the Western suburbs of Chicago. And I have a, one of my best friends from college lives out here uh, and has been after me for years and years. I was living in Ann Arbor, then living in Denver. And he's been just after me to say, you know, come back to the area. Uh, and, and I was just resisting all night, right. He just keep, keeps dropping it. And then finally, you know, I, I give in and I'm like, fine, you know, if something crazy <laughs> happens, like some pastor calls me up out of the blue and just offers me some job and I'll just, I'll think about it. Right. 
And the next morning, no joke, like literally like eight hours later, I'm waking up and I'm pouring my first cup of coffee and my phone rings. And it's, hey, Tim, this is, uh, you know, Father Jim Parker. He's the pastor at my home parish that I grew up at. And he said, you know, we're just uh, trying to fill this position. Would you, I was sitting in adoration this morning and I hadn't thought to call you because I knew you were living out in Denver, but it was really put on my heart to just call and offer you the job. Are you interested? Wow. Uh, and so we, you know, just kind of blown away by the Lord and, and kind of just tell us to go like Abraham or something, you know? And yeah. uh, then with that move really came this desire work. I was coming back into my, the area that I grew up in a church that I really know, knew intimately a local church. And already I was, even before we had moved Denver, I was, I was researching how to form a not-for-profit because it was just, it was really being confirmed in prayer over and over and over again to make some kind of, uh, some kind of regional impact outside of the position that I was taking on. So, and that the result of that, the fruit of that prayer and months and months of kind of planning is, is La Alta. Cool. Hey, Tim, Tom McCabe here. Uh, Alan didn't even introduce me, but I, I don't hold that grudge against him. <laughs> I'm used to it. So, uh, Tim, um, yeah, it's it's great to hear about your background. Um, I'm, I'm an, uh, also from the Denver, worked there, but I, I grew up in Denver, worked at uh, as the director of faith formation for at uh, St. Francis Cabrini Parish for many years. So oh, wow. it's uh, great to hear that you were able to work out there as well. Uh, now, um, Lalto, if I were, if I recall, isn't that one of the, um, and maybe this is where you get the name. I mean, isn't that really kind of, uh, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati's, um, motto? Is that where you brought, you got that from, or is it from something else? No, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That classic kind of holy card of him climbing the mountain and verso Lalto. So that, that was kind of the idea. Like just how do we call on, uh, everybody? lay Catholics, uh, parishes, you know, everyone involved in the church. I really, you know, I'm convicted like with the increasing secularizing in our culture and, um, the challenges that are, that are facing the church in our contemporary situation, that th- this is just it. We just have to double down on the message of hope and kind of being called to that, that, that law to means to the heights, you know, toward mm-hmm. the heights. And, um, really that's, that's kind of our goal is just in everything we do to call, um, to call us all, uh, to the heights of holiness, uh, to the heights of, you know, creating uh, evangelically centered communities that are just forming disciples and really helping people to encounter Jesus. Um, so that's, yeah, the, to the height. That's that's right. You got it. And I, it's always inspired me, you know, about, yeah, we've got to, you know, keep heaven focused and, you know, the world's pulling us down, but let's, let's stay focused. So I just think it's a great, it's just a great title for you guys, a great uh, name, and it, it just focuses you guys on, on what you're endeavoring to do. Yeah, um, right. You bet. So let me ask this. Um, have you found, if you're focused focused in this tight area of these three dioceses, um, does that help you to focus uh, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, shore up what your your model and what you're endeavoring to do? Or, or would you prefer to be, you know, going across the country in, in a broader way right now? Yeah. So we're a fairly recent organization. We've only been founded mm-hmm. in the last year or so. And um, the... Uh, the, the we're always open to what the Lord's plan might be. We don't know what in three, four years he's calling us to, but right now what it's allowed us to do is it's given us a freedom to um, be able to invest really heavily in local parishes. And so that was something we were, we were feeling very called to as we were, we were praying and um, about what's the vision for this. And what we were almost kind of seeing was this like leaven or this, this evangelizing agent or catalyst in the area um, and yeah, it does. It, it allows me to, with, we're working with two parishes right now and something we call our parish partnership, which is kind of one of our key initiatives, this, uh, like consulting piece where we go into parishes and work with them for nine months to help set them a vision for, 
uh, creating this culture of missionary discipleship in the parish. And it allows me to, to be on site and to be, uh, you know, doing things that you couldn't do. There's, there's, there's other great organizations in the church that, um, you know, help parishes uh, be renewed through all kinds of different principles. But yeah, what's kind of uniquely, I think, valuable about our local mission, our localized mission, is that we can really be boots on the ground, you know, so helping to direct strategy mm-hmm. at a high level, but not just, uh, you know, from afar saying like, hey, go do this. But it's like, I can come in and train your catechists. I can come in and, and work with to disciple a group of people. I, uh, I cannot support that enough. The fact that you guys are endeavoring to do this is great. And, that, and, and I support you in, in that localized area. Really to be able to go in on a regular basis to give them this support is, is fantastic. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to fit, too, with just our, our identity as a church. Like, we're, we always work in, you know, from the smallest cell up. You know, we focus on the family, and we focus on local communities. I mean, that's why we have the parish system in the, in the first place, is so that we can really get in people's lives. And so it just seemed to make sense to us to include that as part of our mission. Yeah, I started browsing around your your website, just looking to see, you know, what you guys do. And um, there are a lot of organizations out there, and there are a lot of people out there that that a church can bring in that um, brings some excitement to the parish and does a mission and gets people pretty on fire, but then it kind of, they leave and they go about things kind of go back to the way they were, but to go in and actually say, this isn't about just that, that moment of being, it's part of it, being inspired and getting caught up into the, the moment of, okay, I can, I can do this, but then to say, to start to walk them through the process of how they do that and really begin to renew that parish is, is just huge. Like it's such a big need out there. So man, God bless you. Thanks so much. And on, and on that note, Alan, uh, so it sounds like, so our listeners understand, it's not just coming in and doing a parish mission uh, that, that you're endeavoring to do. When you talk about really making disciples at a parish, uh, you're really talking about a lot more than that. Would you be willing to, to sort of unpack for us you know, what it might look like step by step? Well, without getting, I, I don't want to like just, you know, inundate with all the, because this stuff is rolling around in my mind all the time, right? And so I, I want to find a way. So there's there's five strategic kind of goals that were coming into every parish. And then the situation of the parish helps to um, inform how we actually implement those goals. But the, the overarching idea is that sometimes parishes are too complicated. Like sometimes we just, when we want to go about the process of renewal, we just start adding program after program after program and just like burning out the people who are already involved. And so the idea is to simplify and clarify a process within the parish. First, a vision. Uh, so that's our first strategic goal, a vision for discipleship at every level of the parish. Then two, a clear understanding of how that vision is actually accomplished. And so we like a focuses model of win, build, send. You know, so how does a parish win people to Jesus, build them into disciples and send them on mission? And are those ways that the church accomplishes those missions clearly articulated so that everybody in the pew knows this is how if I want if I have somebody that I they're they're not involved in the faith right now, how do I want them to come meet Jesus? Well, at this parish, here's how we help people encounter Christ. And, and, and everyone knows that. And then we, we build a clear leadership structure that's going to sustain the effort when we go, because we're very clear with our partners up front. Like at the end of our nine-month partnership, you're not going to be at the destination that we're trying to get to. In a certain sense, like being a disciple-oriented parent uh, parish means you're always kind of developing and never quite at the destination, because there's always more more growth opportunity. Um, but really, I think a cultural transformation is a process of five you know, plus years. And so we're just trying to launch them. You know, the, the most energy is expended in a rocket launch up front, right? And we're trying to launch them in the right direction. And so that leadership structure will sustain that going forward. Uh, and then the last two, we, we really do consulting with each of the individual ministries and, and major areas of formation within the parish to make sure they're aligned with that mission. 
And then we start a process of actually person-to-person discipleship too, because I'm, I'm very convicted that that's like the, the way forward is that if every uh, Catholic took seriously the, their identity as a missionary disciple, and it wasn't just a programmatic uh, mentality where it's like, well, the parish is doing my job for me. But if we can form a core group of maybe eight to 12 individuals, we can really start this process of being a missionary to their own parish by building relationships with people and uh, community and, and Bible studies uh, and really discipling people actively, that would be probably the best thing we could do. So those are kind of our five goals going into every parish. So this is a kind of a, a silly question, but how do people, I'm assuming you don't go to parishes and say, so I noticed your attendance was down and your tithing was off, so <laughs> I can come in and help you guys you know, reboot this. How do people hear about you and how do they approach you? And what, what is the, um, typically is it the pastor or is it somebody else in the parish that kind of comes to you and says, can you help us out? Or do you need the pastor? I guess you're going to have to have the pastor's commitment and approval going in first and want to, him to approach you um, to bring in your organization to help them get things started. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty big on that. Like that's, um, I, I've approached uh, like one or two parishes that where I know the the culture there in the parish and we've kind of talked about, I've kind of thrown out the idea of, hey, this is something we're thinking, you know, that we could do, like, you know, maybe uh, is it of interest to you? Because I've, uh, but we really need to see um, that, especially that the pastor's on board uh, right away. And so that's sometimes where people coming to us can really help to, like that desire has to be there because we're going to recommend uh, you know, an, an emphasis, like that's going to be really the core of what the parish is doing going forward. And so if yeah, the pastor's not, not on board, then it's just it's something I've learned, even just working in parishes, is it's just not going to happen. Like there, you can do some good work and there can be some good fruit, um, but it has to be, and that's, and that's part of the spiritual authority of the role of like father in the mm-hmm. parish, you know, is that that's, that's, it's coming from the top. And so, um, yeah, for the most part, we have, we've been blessed to have some cool opportunities where the diocese, um, diocesan offices have in a couple of the diocese have gotten excited about our initiative and being able to pair us with people that they think are excited and ready. And then some other cool opportunities like at um, some of the priest convocations and other things to share our mission. So yeah, it's all just get, kind of getting that me- that message in front of pastors and then, and then trying to discern together whether we're being called to work together. You know, um, you talked about the, you know, helping them establish a vision, Tim. And uh, and you, you you spoke about um, you know the the wind build send and helping them identify their their vision. Do you find that uh, that parishes will have different visions, or do you find that all of it typically falls into a a set system of vision? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Maybe this would be one of the areas maybe where I would be. You know, some people might um, disagree with me a little bit, but I, I think just even like reading, you know reading the GDC and, and other documents from the church surrounding mission, like I find a very clear emphasis on how a disciple's made, which is pre-evangelization, evangelization, uh, you know, catechesis or discipleship, and then apostolate. And so it's it's hard for me to get out of, maybe, and maybe that's just kind of the way my own brain works, but it's hard for me to see um, if that's how an individual soul is 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 ushered into this, uh, you know, full Christian maturity, um, it's hard for me to see a parish breaking too far outside of that mold in their ministerial efforts. Now, what that looks like, the trappings of that, how that happens, and then even how they articulate it, that I feel like could be all kinds of different things. But those key elements, I think, are just like drawing from the wisdom of the church and really just even how an individual soul comes to uh, a full relationship. I mean, this, this is from the parables, you know, the weeds and the wheat and uh, the the sower and the seed, all the things we're seeing there are, are you know, th- like that that those words are just drawing out you know, how, um, a, a soul comes to relationship with Christ. 
Oh, Tim, I, I'm glad you uh, uh, articulated it that way, because that's what the church has entrusted to us. You talked about the GDC, in case our listeners don't know what you're talking about. What Tim is talking about is the general directory for catechesis, okay, which is really our, our the directory that the bishops have given us that instructs us in in how we are to how we are to catechize, how we are to form um, people, and even you know parish life in general. So um, uh, that's great. That, that's great that you that's what you're really endeavoring to 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 bring people to the age old process mm-hmm. that the church has given us for making disciples, for invigorating parish life. Uh, so that that's great. Yeah. What would you say are, are some of the biggest challenges that you might have when like when starting this process? Um, I, I think I would say that the number one, you, you know, because for the most part, if we're working with a parish, like there's some desire to see some kind of cultural change or impact. Right. So it's not like we're, we're coming in and meeting with a, a ton of resistance to what we're presenting right away because they've they've brought us in. But one of the hard things I think I have, I have a hard time um, sometimes uh, like we, with the, what I mentioned is kind of a programmatic mentality before. And like, I don't, my wife and I really see our marriage and our vocation as lay people this way. Like we are supposed to invite people into our home and we're supposed to be, um, just kind of like letting the normal course of our life involve this element of bringing people to a relationship with Jesus and the church. And so sometimes casting that vision for, for, for people in the pews, for, for like the lay people that we, um, are working with, can be challenging where we're trying to break out of, you know, like what, what does it take for, for me in my life? Just, I mean, and I think it's like, some of it's a confidence thing. Like I think sometimes people just really, they think of that idea of going out and, and evangelizing without the support of, of the parish. And that's just a real scary concept. Um, and so that, that's, I think was our, is our major thing. How do you even, even the programs that you use, how do you allow them to be uh, tools instead of the end themselves, you know, uh, an alpha program or whatever else. That's just a tool for proclaiming the kerygma and getting people in relationship with one another. Uh, how do you start to see ministry that way instead of just, well, we did our program. And so we've kind of checked our box for evangelization. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people might be scared too that to invite somebody in their home. They think their home has to be perfect or or at a certain you know standard and the kids are all behaved and have a certain number of icons and pictures and stuff and <laughs> that's not the case you know like i think that um if it if we're effective at all i say we as our family are effective at all it's because our lives are so messy and people come in the house and they're like wow there's like toys everywhere and the kids are yelling and screaming and the dog's jumping on me and this is obnoxious and it's like these are this is just real life this is you know how we live and you can still you can still love each other and still try and disciple one another through all that messiness of the daily life of family yeah i think uh it's it's a it's a weird i don't know if the words like uh, the word false humility would seem too critical that's not what i mean but it's a as catholics i think sometimes we struggle with being on the way like a disciple is someone who's made a, a personal and conscious decision to follow jesus but they are not a saint yet yeah. you know and so like i think sometimes it's hard for people where it's like i don't know enough to evangelize or i don't my yeah my i i've, I've sinned you know in the past week and so i my, my evangelizing is you know going to be utterly unfruitful or something you know unless we're saint francis de sales we don't think that we can actually uh, reach people. And I think sometimes that's uh, that's a, 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 a barrier to us actually just beginning to live out that Christian fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Along those lines, what are some of the other challenges you you encounter in, in this process of bringing, of renewing a parish? What are some of the big challenges you've, you face? 
Yeah, I mean, there's certainly many. It's, it's Some of it's funny because some of it's so unique to each parish culture. Like well, the first thing we do when we get to a parish is we do about a month of interviews. Every staff person, all, all kinds of the key leadership in the parish, we just ask them to give us give us a cross-section of parish life. Like even if this person's not in charge of three ministries, if, if there's someone we need to know and talk to in, to order to understand this parish's culture, like get us in touch with them. And from that process comes up, I, I just do, I think there are, uh, each parish has a history. And so often a parish's history, um, you know, maybe this parish was really vibrant back in like the 90s, and now it's uh, struggled to, um, you know, maintain that vibrancy, or maybe this parish, so, you know, whatever the history is can often be a, a real deep thing, not to overcome, but to include in your process of evangelization. You know, uh, Tim, you spoke a moment ago about uh, what you're endeavoring to take people through is not just a program. And I, I think anybody who's trying to go in there and, and be a catalyst for, for renewal, uh, you'll face this. And I think we can all fall into this. I can fall into it as a parent. I can fall into it as a worker, whatever. Okay, just give, just give me the quick fix, right? And I can, I can envision people are, that you may work with, parishes like, okay, yeah, give me Alpha. Yeah, you know, give me Chirp. Okay, give me this, you know, video program, give me whatever it is, you know, uh, you know, video streaming, whatever it is, and that's going to fix the problem. Okay, I've done evangelization now, I've done catechesis, whatever it is, because I, I would think that would, that's one of the problems you probably face, that they're looking, they know they need help, but they, they're looking for a quick fix. And what you're really talking about is a huge almost a culture shift, right? A, almost a paradigm shift in saying, no, 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 we really need to go back and rethink everything that you're endeavoring to do. Uh, would that be would that be accurate? Yeah, a completely different vision for why this parish exists. You know, and that's mm -hmm. that is that's going to take time. And that's probably why it takes nine months. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that's really just starting the process, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that is um, it for for someone who works in a parish. You know, uh, that is something that's always going to be a temptation because we are just always you know consistently overworked, right? And so. The idea of taking on this huge undertaking of, of flipping everything I do uh, on its head and continually uh, reworking it and stuff, at some point, that just becomes harder and harder to, 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 to stomach as you've gone you know, on more and more ministry. And, and yeah, and that's, uh, but it, it is the long game. That's the only way, because people aren't projects. You know, we can't just be like, all right, we put our, you know, our 100 people through, we keep using alphabets, you know, which is fine, our 100 people through Chirp, and now they're disciples and we did our job and we just scrubbed like we need to start seeing people as people again and seeing that the goal is not to just put someone through our program but to put someone in touch with christ who alone can satisfy their heart and change their life so tim let's just say i am a pastor i'm listening and uh thinking okay yeah i, I i'd like this i, I think it would be helpful to have some come somebody come in and just help us kind of assess first and foremost and, and develop a vision uh given that what areas of parish life like do you look at? So the pastor would be looking at you and say, okay, so then what are we going to look at? I think I think actually in a certain sense, that's one of the things that we're trying to help parishes to see that often there are different programs or different different um, different aspects of the church life assigned. So we have you know we have our our k through eight uh, ministry, we have our our high school ministry, we have our young adult ministry, and then we have a couple adult faith formation programs. But what's often missing sometimes is this golden thread of here's kind of the, the core of the parish's mission and here's how it, it's carried out. You know, sometimes we're, I think parishes almost see our main function is um, the liturgical one uh, and then um, 
there's no clear like evangelical or discipleship oriented strategy. And so that's where reorienting a parish to see that everything we're trying to do is to form disciples. And so we need to have something that's not just a new adult faith formation initiative or a new young adult ministry initiative, but this is actually like the core, like this is the emphasis of the parish's mission to make disciples. So it's, it's almost, as I'm, it's just why I'd like to, in terms of that, the, the question, like it's, it's almost actually honing them in on, no, no, what's the very center of your parish's life, uh, not just another um, area of emphasis. Do you find that, that that's a hurdle for people to get over to this idea that this is the a long-term thing and you're not going to come in and flip a switch and, and take them through a 10-week program and they're going to be good to go, that it's a, that it's a, a process, that it's going to take years to, to, to get to a point where you can at least say, we're on our, on our way. And you may, you may never, you probably will never th- say we've arrived. We've achieved what our, our goal is. We may be still, you know, closer to achieving it, but we're just always kind of working. Does that seem like, am I making sense? Is that a, a hurdle yeah. for some people to get over? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, one of the things I'm most grateful for is that for like five or six years now, I feel like there's been this call from every level, you know, so we had the, the synod on the new evangelization in 2012, and then Evangelii Gaudium comes on the heels of that. Sherry Waddell writes Forming Intentional Disciples, Evangelical Catholic by George Weigel. So I just, like, the, the bishops had this convocation this past summer in Orlando, which we were kind of blessed, we were blessed to attend, uh, and which is, you know, putting out this call for missionary discipleship. And what's been cool is, because of that, like, because all those things have been building this emphasis on missionary discipleship for years and years, I think increasingly I'm watching people wake up to the fact that uh, like so, so in a certain sense, you would think, yes, like this would be a huge challenge to see how much of a process this will be. But more and more people are convinced that it's the only way forward. Um, and so I, I do see, uh, you know, people are aware of the challenge of that, but also excited about that. This is a new horizon and it's going to take take hard work to get there. That's great. So, um, uh, Tim, what have you learned so far in this year in working with um with parishes and doing this, uh, I'm sure that things have come to you like, wow, I, we didn't think of this, or this is a this is an interesting piece, or this gives us a lot of hope. And going through that, um, what what have there been any like real insights that have struck you as you're if you've gone through this? Yeah, I would say I would say more hope than anything. I mean, a really just a lot of uh, a lot of positive interactions with. Uh, parishioners, a lot of, like I said, that mentioned that kind of that desire for this new emphasis in in uh, ministry. I think one of the things that has just been something I, I, I kind of thought going in, but has been consistently uh, reinforced is um, just how much people are people. And because of that, they're amazing. But like also because a parish is a, is a group of people, like they they can be messy. And, and so it's, it's not discouraging, um, but it's just recognizing like I can come in, you know, we, we, we do, we, we set up before when we were going to start pitching to people, we're going to do this parish partnership thing. And we wrote out month one, we're doing this month two, we're doing this month three, we're doing this. And then that just gets blown up by about month one and a half because because <laughs> mm-hmm. people are people and you mm-hmm. can't just be like, all right, now your job is, is you're the discipleship coordinator and you do this and, you know, just move people into to where you need them to be. Like it's, it's about, and I, and I, I to be honest with you, I love that. I'm, I'm glad it's not just a, a mm-hmm. strategy that we're going to like do X, Y, and Z and, and we're going to be fixed because at the end of the day, it's, it's about reaching uh, people and individuals. So there's a real science to this, but even more so, there's probably there's an art. I mean, it's like a family, right? In other words, you don't just go in or if you're if you're a counselor going with the family, it's like, okay, we're going to take you through this cognitive therapy and then you're all going to be great. You're going to be doing fine. It's 
it's understanding the human person that's in front of you. Here, you're understanding the, the, the family of God that's before you at a parish, what their needs are, what their hurts are, the internal conflicts, the, you know, all of those, you know, the, the political aspect of any parish life and realizing, yeah, this is, these are the things that may very well be hampering us from experiencing greater renewal in the parish and, and loving them enough to accompany them and walk through this process with them. I like that you said that. It isn't like, okay, we've got our agenda. Boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden you get into it and you realize, wow, these they have real issues, real problems, and we need to address these if we're going to, you know, assist them in bringing about, you know, greater renewal in the parish. Yeah, well said. I love that. It's an art, not a science. I'm going to, can I steal that from you? Uh, yeah, the, the name is Tom. No. <laughs> <laughs> It is true, but that's that that's what you're doing, uh, and it's uh, it's beautiful. That you, it's uh, the the word that comes to my mind as well as accompaniment. You really are endeavoring to accompany a parish, not even just per se consult. You are consulting, but as experts. But in that in that expertise, you're accompanying them through this this painful, exciting, hopeful process, right? And uh, how beautiful that is. One more quick question, then I'd like to take a take a little break. Um, Tim, do you ever find that you get pushback from people in the parish who you go in and you want to start this and maybe the pastor is on board and has brought you in and then the DRE or the adult faith formation or, or whomever else in the, in the parish, they kind of think, wait a second, this person's going to come in and tell me how to do my job or do you ever get any pushback or, um, from those people? Yeah, I guess with, like with every, any change, um, but also any, any great, you know, new big thing. It's just hard sometimes for people to wrap their minds around what are we, what are we, what are we talking about sometimes? So one of the big things we do is about halfway through the process, we finally roll out this whole new vision to the parish. We take a whole weekend. It's in the bulletin. It's talked about at all the masses. And so one of the parishes we're working with actually asked me to come and and talk about the vision. You know, kind of give this this pitch for here's here's this new you know uh, they they wanted to call it a spiritual campaign, which I thought was kind of cool, but like this new vision for, for what we're doing as a parish. And, you know, probably 95% of people walk out and they're just excited and they just love it. But that 5% does, you know, kind of get in your craw a little <laughs> bit. They're just some of the things people are concerned about, you know, it's, mm-hmm. are we, uh, but what's going to happen? You know, we, we got rid of donuts like a month ago on Sundays and like, how does that fit into this new vision? And I'm like, I, I don't actually know. I didn't account for that <laughs> in my strategic plan. You know, like it's, it's just, so it's, it's amazing. The stuff we, we, we're, we are as, as people so provincial, right? Like I hate when the light outside of my, my subdivision uh, is too long. And I just wish that, you know, I mean, the stuff we end up caring about on a, on a given day is so small sometimes. Uh, and so that, you know, the things like that'll happen or, or more, more legitimate concerns, you know, like one, one person walked up to me and said, um, where, where does youth ministry fit in your initiative? Cause I don't think our youth ministry is where it should be right now. And, and to be honest with you, it wasn't, it wasn't a part of what we were talking about. It wasn't a part of what we had, what we had, uh, accommodated in our plan. And so something we had to go back and look at and, um, so there's, yeah. So, but for the most part, I would say there's just, a, there's just genuine excitement. That's great. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Tim and Tom. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. All right, and we're back with Tim Glemkowski and the ever-faithful, handsome, indubitably 
quick-witted Tom McCabe. I don't know. Oh, stop. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure where that came from. Um, so, Tim, we just wanted to um, ask you a couple more questions. Most of these pretty light. Um, but we're, I'm really curious, and I think our listeners are curious because we all struggle with this in every aspect of our life, but especially if you're working for the church, you're trying to balance your family life and ministry life because ministry happens after normal nine to five work hours a lot of times. And so how do you balance um, family life and ministry life, both for you and what do you coach other people? Yeah, I think there's a couple of like tools uh, that for, for us, maybe a couple of simple things. I'm probably not the pro at it. Like my, my wife would probably laugh that you're asking me that question. Um, you know, cause it's just, a, I think it's just a struggle for everybody. Um, and my wife works part-time too as a nurse and stuff. So we're just kind of constantly juggling. Um, I think, uh, you know, part of it has been getting, getting comfortable with that, that our schedule looks a little bit differently and just not getting so attached to, it has to look this way in order for us to feel peaceful or like our life is is flourishing. I think the two big practicals I would say is the first has been, uh, we, we merged all of our Google calendars into one calendar. And so everything's just on the, cause it, it was, it would be, it would be amazing how many things I'd throw a meeting for Lalto on a, on a, on a Google calendar, but then, uh, my wife didn't know about it. So she's trying to schedule a doctor's appointment at the same time. And now who's going to watch Eva, you know what I mean? So just, just putting that all on one calendar. So we all see it all in the same place. It makes for a very stressful looking calendar, but mm-hmm. it, it, it really saves us from a lot of, uh, you know, unfortunate incidents. And then the second thing is I'm pretty, I'm, I try to be pretty disciplined about, um, like the amount of nights, weekends, uh, that I take on. And then even when I do take those on to, uh, always take, um, like comp time. So especially I'll be moving full time with Lalto in, uh, January and, uh, leaving my parish job. And especially starting then, I've already, I've already um, been convicted about setting aside two days a week that I'm just not going to schedule anything. And then the answer is just like, I'm sorry, I'm not free that day, you know, or I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. booked that day. And it's booked for family time uh, because I've just seen how when that doesn't happen, the schedule just fills and fills and fills. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I love the line. Was it or did you guys even tell me this? Like the, those that the devil, the devil uh, can't stop. He accelerates. I mean, that is the truth mm-hmm. in ministry. If, if it, it, he's just going to keep dumping stuff on your calendar until you're just, you're overwhelmed. So I'm pretty, pretty serious about, about make, keeping those boundaries. Hmm. I just want to pause a second and make sure my wife heard that part about merging the Google calendars. Megan, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening, you should rewind this podcast and listen to that section again, because I think that is the key to living right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing a, how much she, it's helped. She has a paper calendar that she keeps things on, and I keep everything on. My, I have a part-time job as a youth minister. <laughs> yeah, post <laughs> notes. And I fold them up into paper airplanes, and I throw them, and she says she never gets them. I can't understand it. No, but I have a, I have a part-time job also, and so I'm balancing family life and my part-time youth ministry job and, and then here at Ascension. And so I have a, a life team calendar, and I have an Ascension calendar, and I have a personal calendar. And so I merge them all together, and I'm like, baby, if you would just use your phone and put everything on your calendar and the phone, we can like, I, we can we can see each other's calendars. You don't have to ask me anymore. And she's like, nope, nope. I like it written down. She's got all this calendar on the inside of one of the cabinets on our in our kitchen. So she writes it all down in there inside the calendar. I'm I'll like, pray for that breakthrough for her. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a life changer. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, that well, as a as a catechist, uh, I think a a good question for us to ask you: What resources do you uh, are are your mainstays? Things that that you like, or whether it's a book or uh, prayers, whatever it is, what are a couple of your mainstays that, um, uh, that, that you always go back to a huge resource for me has been Facebook groups. 
Like, so there are a lot of really good ministry Facebook groups out there now. Like for creatives, there's a Catholic Creatives Facebook group. There's a Forming Intentional Disciples Forum. There's a, uh, a like a Catholic Youth Ministry Discussion Forum that's run by Project YM. And it's amazing. Like you can go all over the place looking for articles, but like you can also just post something in one of these groups and get a lot of really professional opinions about and then and just a sense of community, too, because in every ministry position, it, it can be isolating because you're the only one in your building doing your particular job. And uh, that sense of community is, is pretty, pretty, been pretty huge for me um, in my work. So we love it. Well, I just have one final question for you. Um, I moved up here from Atlanta and we have pizza in the South, but not like there's pizza in Philly. There's pizza. I'm not, I'm not kidding, Tim. There's pizza on like every corner in this city. There's so many pizza places. It's unbelievable. And it's all different and it's all good. But I've never had Chicago pizza. So um, are you a fan of pizza? Describe your favorite pizza, if so. And um, what is Chicago like deep dish pizza like? Or is it, is it a deep? What, what is Chicago pizza? You know, it's funny, like most locals that you meet, like let's say you're just getting a pizza for your family on a, a, a Friday night or something, a cheese pizza. It's a, uh, people go with this, the thin crust still. We cut it into squares. And so it leaves these really uh, awkward corner pieces and then these mi- middle pieces with no like like end crust on mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So my, my, my actual favorite pizza is, it's called a place called Taylor Street. It's just a local place and they make the really good thin crust. But the Chicago style pizza is an experience. I mean, you have to be ready to like, uh, go to bed immediately after you eat it. I mean, it's a castle. It's a casserole, and, and and the cheese is so thick that you like try not to choke on it. And uh, you know, but so I mean, all the places. There's uh, Giordano's has great deep dish. If people are visiting the area, I'll just give them you know a handful. Lou Malnati's is great. Connie's, and so yeah, yeah like I, I'll get deep dish like maybe once a year, maybe once every two mm. years. You know, like we used to go yeah visit my grandparents on the south side all the time, and we'd go to. Connie's and get deep dish. That was like just a thing we did. But uh, outside of that, I mean, I'm, I'm usually not uh, ordering a, a deep dish out or even even to our house. My, my, my wife was pretty health conscious with our our diet. So she when she discovered the deep dish pizza, I think she was pretty offended, actually, by by the fact that it existed. So. <laughs> so do you have a favorite like a favorite type of pizza or, or topping or do you vary it up or do you have like a favorite that you your go to? So on the deep dish, what they do, I mean, I can talk, we can talk about deep dish. So, so they, they, they throw a crust down and then actually a layer of sausage. It's not even just like little sausage bits. It can be like a, like a, like a, like a, almost like a pancake, you know, layer of sausage. And that's, that's pretty hard to beat for sure. Otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm simple. You know, I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going anywhere crazy with, uh, with my pizza. Certainly not like pineapple pizza or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I like my, I like it a little bit more classic, but, uh. Well, I have not been to all those places that you mentioned, but I mean, the last two times I was there, like I went to Uno's, well, I went to Uno's maybe 20 years ago, which was before it was kind of be, became more franchised and whatever. And a new place up there that I, I had incredible deep dish was Rosati's. Sure. Uh, Rosati's is like, great. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I know that's a franchise now as well, but I was like, wow, their, their deep dish pizza, I forget what they call their meat lovers, but it was, uh, it was to die for. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, Uno's now, I think, will actually ship one across the country. You what? can, like, get it, like, freezer, which I don't know. That sounds, it's, it's a lot. Wow. Huh. All right, folks. So there you go. There's your uh, uh, Cinch Roundtable, all your ministry and pizza shop talk right here in one place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick for our listeners, um, we have are still, con- not still, we have consolidated our websites. And so you can find us at ascensionpress.com and click on the channels tab at the top and you can go to our podcast. Uh, Tim, where can people go to find out more about Lalto? 
L-A-L-T-O Catholic.com, laltocatholic.com, and they'll get a good sense for our ministry and what we do and who we are. So yeah, please visit us. There you go. Awesome. This was so fun. I, I uh, really enjoyed this uh, talking to you today. It was good stuff. And I think what you're doing is is, is so needed out there. So I'm really uh, encouraged by uh, you and what you're doing. And I um, just want to say thanks and God bless. Thanks, guys. It's been really great being with you. This is the first podcast I've been on that I'm a, a weekly listener for. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, wow. Awesome. All right, Tom, always a pleasure. Sorry I omitted you from the top of the show. It was totally my bad. You know, you know Alan, I'm brother. used to it, so, you know, <laughs> let's not open that wound right now, but we can talk about that later. Uh, it's always a joy, Alan. Always, always fun. All right, you guys, take care. Uh, God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.